Welcome to this very special episode of Stargate, where uh, robot duplicates of ourselves have replaced us, and we spend a whole 44 minutes uh, trying to deal with that and asking to be put back into our own bodies, but then it turns out we'll talk about it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, joining me today, as we cover Tin Man, we have Kavika. Hey. And we have M. Oh, are we supposed to watch an episode of Stargate this week? I I, I was just playing the the 2015 game Soma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Soma, uh, <laughs> a game that explores the, the the philosophical quandaries associated with the transfer of con- of consciousness from a human body to a robot one uh, in an equal amount of depth as this episode does. No, not really. Soma is like a 12 to 15 hour game that is 100% deep, deep thought philosophy about that stuff. And Tin Man is a silly episode of Stargate where we have a problem of the week and it has to do with robots. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, this is season one, episode 18. Uh, it's the last uh, like standalone episode of season one uh, before we get into the 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 arc at the end of the season there which is exciting uh but, but we do have this one to deal with uh before we get there uh, a, a weirdly like red dwarf like episode i don't know if anyone like i keep i keep saying that but i don't know if anyone else got that feeling from watching that episode uh if 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 anyone else is familiar with red dwarf uh <laughs> But the the fact that the, the 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 subject matter of this, where they meet a funny a funny guy who's a little weird and does something crazy to them, and it's on some kind of weird industrial set with a lot of pipes and colored lighting, everything yeah. about that made me feel like a Red Dwarf episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I see where you're I see where you're coming from when you put it like that. Yeah, uh-huh. it, it all it, it I almost seen feels... a lot of Red Dwarf, but they're all exactly that. <laughs> yeah, they they all look like that, and they they all feel like that, and they're all like more more co- more comedic than this. But this is like a more comedic episode of Stargate than they usually are, uh, mostly because Harlan is played by, uh, let's say, eccentrically <laughs> by the actor who plays him. Um, Starting the long tradition of weird guy who lives alone on planets. We're going to oh, see yeah. a lot of going well, forward. Yeah, uh, Dwight Schultz coming up in season two uh, oh, yeah. has a very similar role in the episode he's in. Um, uh yeah uh tin man um i i feel like i had something else to say about it but i forgot what it was now uh <laughs> we start up on a, an industrial looking planet oh yeah I, I i wanted to say that it it feels like an especially like an homage to season eight of red dwarf which uh, had like was all taking place on sets that looked a lot like this episode but i looked it up and season eight aired like a year after this episode did so it, it didn't have that to base it off of but it still still has that feeling to me um 
yeah. Uh, so when, when to- really do you think like that? Because I mean, they places have always been cheaply filmed. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, if you go to an old, like, water treatment plant, which is, I think, what it is. I, I looked it up earlier, like, where this episode was shot. That is the cleanest uh, water treatment plant I've ever seen. Yeah, something like that. Uh, you have a place with lots of pipes. You put some good lighting on it and lots of steam and, and stuff. It looks like a sci-fi uh, planet. Uh, oh, there it is. The set of Altair is uh, the Portman power station. Hmm. It is reused ah. uh, in... Stargate episodes, Watergate beneath the first, beneath the surface and proving ground, uh, which is other you know later episodes of this show. Like, uh, so yeah, it's a power station. Inactive, uh, inactive power station. Uh, I uh, it doesn't have. There's no link in the wiki for me to check. Portman power station, uh, Vancouver probably. Portman. Nope, that's not. That's a. That's a. That's a township that is near <laughs> Vancouver. Uh, That's probably BC where the power, power station is. Yeah. The former turbine hall of a gas power station nestles between the suffrage. Okay. Yeah, I think... So, it was a gas power station that maybe is not used anymore, because I don't know if British Columbia still uses like any gas-based uh, electricity i could be wrong about that but uh yeah uh apparently it's it's a, a an abandoned old uh huh. gas power station that All is right. used a lot for shooting stuff that is uh, shot in vancouver i feel i feel like i've seen this place in like arrowverse episodes of the various shows there from in like the flash and arrow and stuff like that it feels like a place that people go to to film stuff in all the time whenever you need something to look just generically industrial you you just <laughs> like go this, there this place was definitely a lot of episodes of andromeda yeah mm. also that yeah for sure um and like battlestar galactica probably uh, even though that look, that took, that took place in like spaceships and space and not so much on planets that had facilities, so maybe not. Um, it still had some. It uh, had like industrial background stuff where like, you'd go yeah. like to the end, you'd go like into into the interiors of the ship and whatnot. Oh, I have. So I have a, I have a list of stuff that was shot there right here. It was on, <laughs> on the Flash on Supergirl. It was on Battlestar Galactica. It stood in for the Astral Queen, which was the the prison ship, mm. uh, in like one of the first episodes where uh, what's his name was imprisoned, that, the that terrorist guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a show called Timeless, which I don't know about, which I assume is another cheap uh, sci-fi show from twenty years ago or something. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's been around this place. It's going to be around more on Stargate. Um, just got to just got to go different angles, you know. Yeah, yeah, and like the 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 way like I the the way you see photos of this place, it it looks like it's basically just one large hall that they shot everything, and just you just place the camera in the right spots, and it looks like a multi level, uh, big facility that goes deep underground and whatever. But it's just like cheap tricks of the camera and uh, the magic of the the silver screen, I guess. Um, Silver screen is that is that TV or movies? That's, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's movie. movies, but yeah. it's close enough. Yeah, anyway, yeah. it's fine. It's- <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a Stargate uh, inside that facility, which uh, <laughs> is open, and SG One steps steps through uh, the real SG One. We should uh, like make a distinction in this episode because there's like two of them, uh, as I mean, as the, is the, the twist at the end ex- of the episode. Yeah, the show's not going to explain this to us for forty. For like forty yeah, minutes, thirty yeah, something for a while, minutes, for a thirty-five, while. yeah, something like that. Um, uh, 
but yeah, they 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 come out. Uh, O'Neill states that this P3X989. Uh, he says nine or eight niner because he's doing a little like this is your captain speaking kind of voice as he's talking about the weather and stuff. But they are in an interior, so that's the joke, I guess. Um, but like, yeah, we're gonna Harlan is gonna call this planet Altair later, like once in the episode, and just from that, that's 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 what it's called. Um, so yeah, they're 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 looking around. There's some computers. Like the first thing they see is there's a big floating orb up, like in the rafters <laughs> of this building, and it, it it hums and like glows. And like besides that, all they see is like big pipes and uh, whatever. And Daniel says. Uh, wow, this place looks even more advanced than Earth, and it's really good that they inserted this shot of the floating orb because it actually looks exactly like Earth in every other way, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, they, they find a little console with some computers. Uh, I don't, like, they don't they don't even try to, like, fiddle with it or anything. They're just, like, uh, scratching their heads at everything, and then, like, some kind of, like, of light uh, shines at them and immobilizes them, and they collapse to the ground, and that's it for the cold open. Um, and they, they, a, they get scanned. It's like a thing that. I was about like, to say, yeah, it looks like a scanner. Yeah. Um, so after after the opening credits, uh, SG One awakens in, like I mentioned, Red Dwarf in about the same room as when the Red Dwarf people were uh, doing a, an alternate reality game with a guy that came up to check on to check up on them. Uh, <laughs> um, they wake in, up on these uh, platforms arranged around the center pillar uh, some, that they were laying down on, suits. and now they're all dressed like they're like uh, an electronica band. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> posing for their album cover uh they they they, they all have these uh black uh uh, shirts with like gray stripes on them, but each of them has the stripes in a dif- different spot on their shirt uh, to denote. I I assume some kind of responsibility that they will be assumed to have as workers of this facility in the future. But I don't know. It's just to make their costumes look different from each other for this episode, uh, unique in some way. Um, uh, yeah, and this guy walks in there, and he's uh, very eccentric, very like, "Hey, I'm the comic relief character of this episode," and he's he smiles at them, and every almost every line he says in this episode uh, feels like a kindergarten teacher speaking to some kids uh, where he's like always excited and speaking to them with a lot of joy in his voice even as he's saying stuff like you you have to stay here forever now and we're friends now and please help me fix this place um <laughs> and everyone here is dead um let's, let, there's some funny bits where daniel tries to shake his hand and uh this guy whose name is harlan uh he's named clearly in uh homage to harlan ellison uh sci-fi author that uh, is famous for coming up with a bunch of Android stories. Uh, famously tried to sue James Cameron for stealing the idea of the Terminator from him. Um, so that's this guy. Uh, Daniel tries to shake his hand, and he like he doesn't understand that the the hand thing is you're supposed to shake it, and he just like puts his hand, puts his hand forward in the same way and says hi or whatever. Um, then kind and- of a kind of a creep to Carter because. Oh yeah, he's like every time he's like you're you're all the same except her, and like he makes eyes at her, and every time like she stares daggers back at him because she understands the implication and is not amused by it. Uh, and like our our first clue that, and also kind of a, also a jerk to Teal because our first clue that something's weird is he's just constantly saying that Teal is different. Yeah, Teal is different. 
Like, if, if it wasn't for how we know Teal'c is a Jaffa, this guy would come up kind of racist on top of being sexist and creepy towards Carter. So, uh, good combo. Um, uh, yeah, so he's like, everyone, like, O'Neill keeps asking him, so what, what's going on? Why did you attack us? Why are our clothes different? Uh, and, like, he, he says, oh, I've made you better. He doesn't really answer their questions. He just... It, says some vague niceties at them and says uh, he's he's basically dragging them along and try, trying to hurry through this conversation um, because he wants to get down to business because he has stuff to do with them. Um, and yeah, he... <laughs> uh, yeah, so he just leaves the room and they follow him and, and uh, he, he starts showing them around and they ask him, okay, so what happened here? And he gives them some answers and says, okay, so uh, yeah, the surface of this world became unlivable because of, I don't know, pollution or war. It's not really explained. And everyone had to move down here. Uh, he says uh, he's the only one left. Everyone, everyone else died, and he's, he's uh, very happy. <laughs> uh, he says, come try again, like uh, every couple sentences, and O'Neill is clearly very annoyed by him and by this. He says, like, is that like Aloha? What is this? Um, he Harlan uh, once again like restates that Carter is a lady and that Teal'c is not human, um, <clears throat> uh, and that, then like he says like uh, uh, as they keep asking him questions, he says, "Well, I've made you all better," and they start to realize that oh yeah, actually we do feel better because <laughs> uh, yeah, whatever aches or uh, like troubles they had are gone. Are just gone now, and like a small detail is that Daniel hasn't been wearing his glasses, so uh, his eyes got fixed somehow. Uh, we don't yet know the twist that they're robots now, but uh, that's what's going on with them. Um, and O'Neill is not buying this. He he, like Harden just keeps saying better, and he's like, no, 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 wait, <laughs> it stops saying better. He just gets right up in his face and says, better how? And Harden doesn't. St- tell them he doesn't want to say what happened yet <laughs> and like when he's like okay fuck you <laughs> we're just gonna leave now um <laughs> and that's what they do um harlan like just kind of runs after them and says no no you don't understand you have to stay here you can't just leave uh also like they have their guns somehow which is like I, in this scene i just realized which is kind of weird considering what we know from later on uh that they just got their guns back even though they don't even have their own clothes um but yeah um so they they go up to the stargate and dial it and and harlan's like no no you can't go there's a lot i have to explain first and whatever and like they don't listen to him and they just walk out and as they're leaving he says (laughs) uh you're you're gonna come back you have to uh and like it, it sounds like he's just desperate because he is like desperately lonely and he wants people to be with him but uh we're gonna learn that he means that literally that they they have to come back because they can't be anywhere else um but yeah uh they they go back to earth where they're having a little like physical with Fraser to figure out what exactly Harlan did to them. Um 
And Fraser, usually her role on this show is to examine them and the, tell them they have nothing physically wrong. Uh, and th in this episode, it's kind of the opposite, <laughs> where uh, they have nothing mentally wrong. It's still them in every way, but physically everything is wrong because <laughs> they don't have a heartbeat anymore, which is worrisome. Um, like she, she gives the stethoscope to O'Neill to listen to his own heartbeat. It can't find it, and then she goes, "Okay, let's 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 get a blood sample." And uh, she she does the that thing with the like rubber. A weird move. Like I, I think you would go to X-rays before blood sample <laughs> yeah, if there's no heartbeat. Just 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 running like the usual <laughs> steps. Like uh, she's she's a, she's a very like uh, rational doctor, right? If there's if there's no heartbeat, if there's no heart, uh, that means a lot of weird stuff is going on regarding the blood, so I should look at it and see what's going on with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, she, she draws some blood from, from O'Neill, and the syringe fills with like some creepy white liquid uh, of the kind you, you, you see in the alien movies, where the androids all bleed this white liquid of some kind. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things that's like, it's weird it's having seen it twice, and it like, makes me wonder, it's like, is is this actually based on something? I, I, is that what I, I mean? That's probably some kind of hydraulic like, fluid. Uh, like? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's it's not any that I've ever really seen. Hydraulic <laughs> fluid is usually a red uh, yeah. kind, uh, but uh, or at least yeah. greases. Some kind of mm -hmm. lubricant or conductive fluid or whatever yeah. that is necessary to these robots functioning. I think yeah. in, in the case of this, uh, it's just that. Everyone's seen Alien, and it it felt to them like, "Hey, uh, robots have white blood for some reason because Alien said so, and we're just going to do that." Yeah, yeah probably. probably. You know, um, and then like we move on from Alien to uh, well, Aliens in this case to another James Cameron property <laughs> as uh, <laughs> as O'Neill. The next thing he does is grab a scalpel and just stick it into like the inside of his arm. Um, uh, he Sorry, you, you cut. There was one one real quick thing that you skipped over there. Yes. Is that Tilk is that after the blood comes out white, Tilk opens up his shirt and it's like, oh, I'm not a Jaffa, <laughs> right? There's no pouch <laughs> on Tilk's shirt. We, we get a rare unobstructed view of Christopher Judge's real belly with no prosthetics on it because yeah, he he realizes at that same moment that he's not a Jaffa anymore. He doesn't have a gould in his belly. Uh, and while while that's happening, there's a really upsetting shot of like uh, clearly a fake prosthetic arm that Richard Dean Anderson is opening with a scalpel, but it's like it looks really <laughs> realistic as he's cutting into it. It's pretty um, good. Yeah, yeah I'm not gonna lie. It is a good shot. Yeah, shot. Uh, and it's, like this, it's a it's a, like a cl cliche after Terminator. Like so many uh -huh. other people have done it, but yep. it's always so freaking cool. Oh yeah, it's really cool and really upsetting <laughs> that you just like I have white blood and no heartbeat. And at this point, he doesn't like he thinks he's himself, but he still goes, "Well, I'm probably a robot." Stab, 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 cut, cut into my arm. Uh, if I'm wrong, yep, I'm gonna die right now. A robot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, good thing they can't feel any pain anymore I guess even though we're gonna see later that uh, it does seem to hurt when he gets his face burnt half off by some hot steam um, but yeah uh, then like yeah Fraser uh, 
pushes the big red security button uh, and calls for security in the infirmary. And like uh, everyone else is goes like, wait, no, what? In, what? No need for security. It's just <laughs> us. And in, in this moment where these four black shirted people like just assuring this doctor that they're, com- they're completely normal and there's nothing wrong with them is, is kind of a little creepy. Like you see from her point of view, that's like, oh, wow, wait, there's four robots in here and that's scary. They might kill me. Um, but uh, no, yeah, Hammond uh, goes in there with some guards, and he says, "No, uh, if if you if you have white blood and like uh, <laughs> mechanical parts in your arm, you need to be in the holding cell until we figure something out here." Um, and like uh, O'Neill goes goes right into convince you I'm the real O'Neill mode, and he he starts telling Hammond stuff uh, that only he could know, like uh, the names of his granddaughters, uh, which are Tessa and Kayla, and uh, according to Stargate Wiki, uh, that's the names of Brad Wright's daughters, so uh, that's just him sticking uh, his his children's names into his show as a little homage to them, which is cute. Um, And he also mentions that Hammond's wife died from a heart attack, which, you know, okay, uh, if Hammond like really confided in in O'Neill in the seven months he's known him or whatever. Uh, that's a that's a good thing to pull out to verify that it's really him. But also, wow, he he must like have come to trust these people as really close friends in that time that he opened up to them off camera about the fact that his wife died from a heart attack. That seems like some pretty personal info. Um, yeah, I mean. You work with these people every day. You know? Right, You work yeah. with these people every day, and you work in a profession that is going to have a disproportionate number of, I need to verify that you are who you actually are saying you are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this was like a, an official like process of, here's some personal info in case you were ever replaced by a doppelganger. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, but I can see how... Uh, like over a beer, a personal conversation about O'Neill and the fact that he's lost his son would turn to, I've lost a wife or whatever. You know, it does make yeah. sense. Uh, <laughs> but he does, like, pull that off right in front of everyone there, which is, you know, he is right, Ooh. but... Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, the... The robot, the 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 techno SG one is uh, in a holding cell now, and they're just like Daniel is speaking about how amazed he is by all this because uh, he's just staring at his hand and says, "Oh, I feel like myself. Uh, it, it, it's it's completely uncanny." And like they point out, uh, he feels even better. Uh, uh, than than he did before. Like his 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 eyesight is fixed clearly. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if this is this scene that where they mentioned none of them have felt hungry or thirsty or sleepy or whatever since uh, since they were on that planet. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I guess another advantage, but also like a, the weirdly like you listen to that you go i don't know if i ever if i want to never like feel the satisfaction of eating food ever again even though it's not necessary or whatever uh also while they're saying that tilk is looking around clearly uneasy clearly not into the fact that he's not a jaffa anymore and we're gonna learn later in the episode there's something more to that because he's like not fully himself actually um yeah he 
Chris, uh, we say it so much, but Chris, Christopher Judge is just so good at freaking uh, little subtle acting. Yeah, because yeah. he, he has basically no lines in this episode. He says almost nothing, and you know he he still sells the there's something wrong with me, but I don't want to like make myself vulnerable in front of my friends by telling them this, even though I should maybe. But also, there's a second voice inside my head that's telling me horrible things to kill them and whatever. Uh, that's <laughs> freaky. Um, and like Daniel notices uh, that Tilk isn't uh, is like kind of withdrawn in his corner, uh, and correctly like says, "Well, you don't have a gold anymore. That must like be a big uh, uh, upsetting for you." And Tilk says, "I still feel it though. That's weird." And like Daniel says, Daniel thinks it's some kind of version of uh, like the Phantom Lib pain syndrome where uh, if you get amputated you still feel like you have an arm or, or something but that's not even what it is it's just that hard and fucked up <laughs> and the ghoul is inside his head now um uh and like yeah uh daniel is optimistic that everything is going to get sorted out and it's going to be all fine and this, everything is going to go move on forward like before it's just that they're robots now and it's okay that can just be part of the status quo now <laughs> only like kind of like snaps him back to rea- to reality oops there grows gravity and um <laughs> he says no <laughs> do you not understand how the united states military works <laughs> the best case scenario is basically they get shipped off to an, an id lab to have tests run on them for the rest of their lives um have you, missed not- the, have you missed like the half dozen episodes where we're trying to not get <laughs> dissected <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly there's no way even like everything else uh, even all of that stuff aside there's no way they would ever trust them enough to put them back on a team to go to other, two different planets which is what Oliel uh, expresses in that moment uh, <laughs> um, so then Hammond goes back to talk to them um He's trying to tell them. Yeah, he goes over to tell them he's sending SG-5 over to that planet. Uh, which, small goof, he calls PX-3989 at this point, which is, you know, O'Neill said P3X in the beginning of the episode. Uh, but doesn't matter anymore. It's planet <laughs> the, it's planet Altair anyway. Uh, and like they say, hey, yeah, no, don't do that. The same thing is going to happen to them. You'll just have two robot teams then. Uh uh, yeah, they, 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 they tell Hammond about Harlan at this point because they haven't mentioned him. Um, which is like, uh, and then Daniel figures out that, oh, wait, Harlan must be a robot too if we are. And if he's, oh, yeah, we skipped over it. Uh, Harlan said that he's been alone for like, he, he says a number of millions of hours and they immediately like mentally math that it, it, actually O'Neill, uh, says that's 11,000 years. <laughs> And like everyone, like just kind of stares at him because he's not the big math brain on the team. But uh, turns out he's right because he's a, he has a computer for a brain now, and he he can just crunch the math uh, like it's nothing. Um, but yeah, like Daniel figures out that Harden must be a robot too now, uh, and that's how he gets to be this old. And they all all at once start uh, feeling woozy and kind of like holding their faces, and they all collapse at the same time and pass out. Um, like they managed to like tell General Hammond that they have to go back to that planet, uh, which is what they do. 
because uh, uh, they can't think of anything of anything else to do, I guess. Uh, so yeah, they they get to go back to Altair, and as soon as they get there, they they all like wake up and start feeling better. And uh, Carter I points feel like to the shot of them going through the gate because they absolutely just got heaved through there like a sack of potatoes and just kind of roll onto <laughs> yep. those hard concrete <laughs> yep. steps. Great. It's okay, they're, they're robots. Yeah, they're robots anyway. They won't feel it. Uh, and like as soon as they wake, uh, Carter points to that big uh, spinning orb in the ceiling and says, oh, that must be the power source, uh, I guess, because that's what's making them feel better now. Um, spe- because that is the one thing that doesn't look like it was made in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of better, Kumtraya, Harlan is back. Uh, <laughs> and he, like, he, he goes and greets them in this once again very happy to see them and only immediately goes ballistic on him and grabs him by the by his lapels and like slams him uh, onto the stargate and starts yelling at him like what have you done put us back in our bodies you asshole and whatever and Harden like uh, says he can't do that uh uh, he like he doesn't really explain why he just says he can't do it and like he starts like he he starts like he, he moves on to like a little creepy acting where he starts to sound like a malfunctioning robot a little bit as, as he says and you are damaging me um, and then like only lets him go and he's he, he gets better um, uh, yeah, and then Harlan just like straight up lies to them after that because he says, "Yeah, your bodies are gone now. You can't go back. Just get used to it. Help me. Uh, I, I need your help to run this place. And it's fine though because it's better because you're immortal now and everything. So uh, it's fair trade, right?" Um, and he's still like grinning at them. And <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson is making an absolutely homicidal face staring in the distance at the same time. He's very unpleased yep. by this uh, turn of events. Now, I know he's been alone here for, like, thousands of years mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. How exactly did he expect people to react to be all like, oh yeah, you're gonna have to just live here forever uh-huh. now. Sorry. I, 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 the implication is that he's he's so far removed from being human that he's a, he doesn't understand um, like human motivations and yearning for freedom or whatever, and he's been obsessing over maintenance of this facility for this whole time. And like, uh, I'm not sure if did we admit, did, did he do that when he first talked about how long, or has that come up later where he talks about how everyone else has just left? Yeah, I think I think it's it's uh, it's in this point. Like he he's mentioned that he he's the only one left there, but I don't think he's like gone into detail and named names yet. Um, but yeah, the the from from the backstory we we hear, it also get the impression that maybe Harlan is one was already one of the more. Uh, I don't know how to say it, but one of the guys who was there and who was most prepared to be there, like maybe like he was like a, a little bit neurodivergent or whatever, and he's actually likes this place unlike everyone else. Um, and like he says that some of the people uh, refused this life and just walked out. <laughs> so and like clearly he stayed this whole time because he could handle it. And like a bunch of people, a bunch of the robots or people who are on this planet actually killed themselves because they couldn't handle it. Um, which tells you a little bit about you know the kind of person he is. That he was like more or less kept sane for eleven thousand years. Uh, <laughs> most of his screws are tight. Uh, be- I, I mean to. Put it in con- 
put it in contrast, he's definitely a lot more held together than Ernest was. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and he's been there for a lot longer. Uh, <laughs> uh, but but it is his planet. He just, like, you know, has to deal with the fact that every single person who lived on that planet is dead now. Um which is a nice, but you he, know, is, but yeah, I think that would be, I think that would be worse. Yeah, but he's had a long time to get over it, I guess. Um, and like, yeah, as he's so he he brings them back back to the like sleeping pod room, and he says, "Okay, you need to rest because like you've been like the time you were away from this planet, you drain your batteries, you need you need to recharge them now, basically." And then like an alarm sounds at Harnan says, "Oh wait, I have to go uh, deal with this latest emergency now, so y'all just get some rest, uh, and I'll go deal with this, and I'll come back to talk to you later." Um, so everyone except O'Neill sits down, and O'Neill is just pacing around because he's still very angry. Um, and like Daniel tries to tell him he should rest because he's gonna run out of energy pacing around like that. Um, <laughs> um, like they they start looking at the like the wires and stuff on the walls and figure out, oh wait, this place is like duct taped together. Basically, uh, Harlan has been the only one like maintaining it this whole time, and everything is falling apart. Like O'Neill casually pulls like a pipe out of the wall and puts it back there. <laughs> it doesn't seem to be like. To, to be screwed in or like stuck in with anything it's just hanging in there uh, and like like yeah they so Carter says he must need our help to to like keep this place together uh, and O'Neill says yeah how about we just don't and we just let it fall down because I hate this place and whatever <laughs> uh, and Tilk says well if if we if we do this then we'll also die and O'Neill is like all the way desperate already he he's like yeah, uh, no, wait, O'Neill is, because uh, Teal'c Teal is trying to get across that they're robots now, and Harlan said there's nothing to be done, so they should just accept it, and O'Neill uh, refuses to accept it, and still holding on to the hope that there's a way that they can be humans again. Um, so, yeah, he just, like, uh, yells that they're robots now. Uh, Daniel has a little, by, a, a little bit of introspection where he closes his eyes and kind of, like, giggle not giggles but chuckles a little bit and he says oh i just thought about being eleven thousand years old for a second and it like the 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 cosmic horror of it all just made me laugh i guess um uh yeah and they they say like they 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 have a little chat about how yeah you know it's a little bit better we are immortal we don't have to worry about food or sleep or anything we can just like operate at peak efficiency or whatever all the time and it's fine um which, you know, sounds boring, but at least you're not going to die, I guess. Uh, and then, like, mid-conversation, Teal just gets up and leaves the room. Oh, I guess we missed the part where O'Neill also left the room, and he said he's going to have a talk with Harlan because he can't stand just be in there. And now Teal has also left, and, like, Daniel's like, hey, buddy, what's up? What's wrong? And they just, like, he leaves. He doesn't say anything, and they just follow him. Um, so, yeah, we have, we have a little bit of a... Uh, freak out moment with Teal'c is like standing in a hallway uh, and he just like uh, props himself up against the wall and holds his head and has a little like uh, breakdown moment because uh, he's not handling being a robot very well. Uh, he kind of seizes up. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty nasty to look at. Um, so yeah, Harlan is fixing some kind of machine while O'Neill is talking to him. Um, He's asking specifically, where, where, where are our bodies? I want to know what you did with them. And Harlan just keeps trying to dodge the question, says, you don't need them anymore, so stop asking, please. Um, 
And then like Daniel and Carter come in and ask if if he seen if O'Neill has seen Teal. He says, No, I haven't seen him. He was with you when when I left. Uh, and Harlan is like, Yeah, you're feeling better. See? Uh, uh everything is good now. And then like when when they ask about Teal, he says, Oh yeah, Teal is different. Uh might be a little fucked up. Don't worry about him too much. Uh it's just it's probably like it's probably won't go won't go well with him, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. And like, hmm, okay. Uh that's a kind of that's suspicious not, thing. That's not sinister at all. Yeah. <laughs> it almost comes up, you know. Don't worry about the black guy on your team. If he dies, it's it's fine. He's like, it almost feels like he's saying something like that. But but with the fact that he's a Jaffa, but he doesn't even seem to know what a Jaffa is. Just that he's different and therefore expendable. Um, and also, like while he's having this conversation, like he's he's like smearing some kind of yellow goop on a pipe and then like pushing a plate on that pipe and he seems to be bending it with his bare hands basically and holding it there until like the glue holds the thing in place uh i i guess that's him fixing a, a crack in that pipe um and then like he gets a little bit more um it's it's just flex tape Right, <laughs> clearly, it's it's some kind of thing that is that is made to be uh, flexed by human strength and not robot strength. But in the fiction, uh, probably some kind of metal. <laughs> uh, yeah, and while he's holding that there, he gives some exposition and says, uh, "Yeah, this this whole project was was uh, a means that this this guy hobbled came up with it." Uh, to, to, to have a way for the people of this planet to survive the, the apocalypse that was on the surface uh, and to transfer people's consciousness to robot bodies and uh, everyone, like, they started with thousands of people, but uh, a lot of people, like, uh, it didn't take some of them went back to the surface and let themselves die up there, some of them went through the Stargate and never came back uh, some of them killed themselves uh, some of them just malfunctioned and broke down uh, he says that the last guy who I forget what his name is uh, died like a couple hundred years ago and he's been it's been just him since then uh, uh, he's like uh, Harlan is, is the one who's like he doesn't understand why anyone would want to leave this place because this is home which you know goes with what I was saying earlier about him being maybe like uh you know, neurodivergent, some kind of autistic maybe or something when he started where he was like just very attached to this place and this way of life and uh, it adapted really well to, to becoming a robot and having to like maintain this place uh, but like not everyone else did on this planet. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a little sad uh, and then like he's like yeah, he, he basically says everything I just said and at some point he just asks uh, I think Daniel to hold, yeah, to hold the plate for him for a second. And he just like, while Daniel's holding it, he like just picks up a wrench from his bag and backs on this, on this thing, uh, a few times. And, goes, and then goes, Hey, come try. Uh, it worked. Uh, we fixed it. See, now that you're here, everything's going to be fine because we're working together and teamwork makes the dream work, uh, and everything. So, yay. Uh, da -da -da -da. Yeah, so he says, yeah, he gives some more exposition about how uh, their basically their battery autonomy assured them that they would have to come back to this planet because that's where the charger is. Uh, the, the, it, it will only last for a few hours on a different planet. Um, 
And like Harlan says, oh, now that you're here, we can just be friends because we have to spend eternity together. And like O'Neill says, I don't, I don't even like you. And like Harlan, <laughs> Harlan just turns to him and has this sad look on his face. It's really sad. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, good reason to to not like this guy, but you know, um, <laughs> um, and like Carter points out that hey, we should probably make friends because if anyone can help us out of this, it's him. Uh, and Harlan's like, yeah, well, we have an eternity to become friends. Everything is fine. Uh, he's still chipper about everything. Uh, and then like, there's another emergency with uh, like some kind of. Uh, uh, just like rumbling and you hear an explosion in the, in the distance I think there's like a computer voice that says whatever the, the problem is and hard- it is like the most sinister computer <laughs> voice, <laughs> like a voice it's pretty yeah, it's, 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 it's a pretty, robotic uh, like you know uh, answering machine voice basically but it's like two octaves like shifted down and whatever it, it almost sounds like a robot Gould voice uh, and it like th- that's another thing that is kind of red dwarf I feel like you, whenever you, you you know, that's the kind of sinister robot voice that would announce, like, the self-destruct countdown in T-minus something or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and, yeah, so they, they go back to uh, Harlan's little desk thing with the computers, and he says, okay, the problem is that apparently uh, surface uh, there's acid rain on the surface that was blown down into their vents and is, is corroding the metal in their pipes, and that's making the vents like un- unable to open up to vent the steam, and the pressure is building up, and this whole uh, place is going to explode if that keeps going on, so they have to go uh, manually open the vents because uh, the the, the remote controls are not responding. Uh, so, yeah, he says, yeah, uh, everyone, you're all robots. You all have the blueprints to this place in your brains. I don't need to tell you anything else. Just go. Um, and O'Neill, like, hangs around for a little bit because he does. He still doesn't want to help him. But, like, he, like, Daniel and Carter just stare at him, basically communicating that, hey, if we don't do this, we're all going to die here and that's not going to help anyone. And he goes, okay, fine, let's do this. Um... And yeah, Harlan, that, that, that's when he says, you all, you have all the info in your brains. Just go there and open the valves. Um, and he, he just like, at this point, the episode very much feels like, very much feels among us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Except with, they're all imposters. With Teal. Except they're all imposters. Yeah. <laughs> with Teal in the role of uh, the imposter. Um, so yeah, the pressure is rising. We have a, a, f- a few little cool shots of, of robot abilities where O'Neill uh, jumps down from the catwalk down to the lower level and just lands on his feet like it's nothing. Uh, we have uh, Daniel just like uh, yanks off a metal plate from some kind of uh, exhaust pipe thing uh, with his bare hands. And we see it from the back that there's screws on this thing. So I guess he just broke all the screws by yanking this thing off, whatever. Um, it's fine. it's fine. He's just going to stick it back there when he's done and it's going to stick for some reason. So it's okay. Um, and like, yeah, he reaches in there with just his bare arm and he says, yeah, I can feel the vent. Uh, it's right there. Um, and he, I guess, yanks at it. We don't know what he's doing in there. He just has his hand in this thing, but he's describing it. Um, and O'Neill uh, goes off to another plate that just like that, that we see and he yanks it off too and starts working in it uh, at it. And like and they they add fully effects on his when he sets it down to make it sound heavier. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit clang, clang, big, yeah, a big metallic thud. 
even though it's like an inch thick. And- yeah, it's clearly a piece of plastic or plywood or something. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, he sticks his hand in there, and he's not. Uh, he he he's having trouble like opening the valve. I guess. And then the computer voice says, pressure rising to 10 hobbled units, which I, I like the detail that on this planet, also the, the, the pressure unit is also named after the guy who invented the robots. So, <laughs> hell, hell of an inventor, that guy, I guess. He discovered atmospheric pressure and also robots. Um, <laughs> and like, uh, like the pressure is too high, so we see like uh, Harlan presses a button on his keyboard and the voice says, override venting steam now, while while O'Neill still has his hand inside the thing and he hasn't opened it yet and he just gets a face full of steam. Uh, but that's not the one that really wounds him yet. It just like blasts him off of that pipe as the steam is venting. Uh, and then like Teal walks up behind him while he's like recovering on the ground. <laughs> when he says, Teal, thank God, where have you been? And Teal just like full force punches him in the face, <laughs> sends him flying back down to the ground. Uh, and like O'Neill doesn't understand what's going on and Teal just starts waiting on him uh, really nasty um, and like yeah uh, O'Neill picks up like a metal pipe on the ground and tries to hit Tilk with it and he blocks it with his arm and the pipe bends like a sh- at a sharp angle uh, good old uh, Superman girder bending uh, <clears throat> I mean, gag I there say this, is, this is very much just the Terminator walk uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's very much that. Like, like Tilk, you're you're a killer robot. Do your thing, and he does that, and he like basically just grabs O'Neill and uh, yanks him to the wall, and like then uh, tackles him and on there, and he tosses him into like a set of of uh, vertical pipes that O'Neill just breaks as he's like careens through through them and they they break and start spewing spewing steam and at the same time we see like the computer of like of Harlan's computer we see like the 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 little display that shows the pressure just like falls back down because I guess those pipes had enough steam running through them to to make the pressure of the whole thing fall down to below critical levels which is a fun little detail and you see like Harlan relax for a second because I guess uh, that helped feel, in some way. I feel like letting that kind of yellow steam into your face is probably not good. But... Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you're robots. Well, I mean, the human SC-1 is also somewhere on this base at this moment, so it's probably good if they have, like, clean oxygen to breathe. Um, but yeah, there's like, so there's a hole in one of those pipes that is spewing some high pressure steam. Uh, and like, Tilk just like picks up O'Neill and sticks his cheek right onto that hole to get a full blast of hot, high pressure steam into his face. And so for the rest of the episode, uh, Robot O'Neill is gonna have a big, grody hole in his face with like, which through which you can see some kind of metallic uh, under skeleton thing, which is, you know, once again, very Terminator, but a very cheap version of it, where it's just a patch on his cheek instead of being half of his face or, or whatever. Um, and like, yeah, uh, Tilk then picks up a pipe and is about to just like murder O'Neill with it. And Carter and Daniel wa- run in and say, Tilk, don't! And like, Tilk still about to do it, but then like, just behind him, you don't see him, but Harlan is there with a ray gun and he just shoots Tilk and disintegrates him. Uh, so, yeah, so long Tilk, as far as we know for a second. Uh, if we were counting Tilk's deaths, Tilk deaths, that would count for one because for a few minutes we're led to believe that Tilk is actually permanently dead. Uh, it's It's not gonna last very long. They don't keep that suspense up very long, but 
there you go. Because, uh, like, yeah, we see that O'Neill has now this big hole on his face that I mentioned, and uh, Harlan walks up to them, and he's like, uh, it's it's going to be fine, you'll see. Uh, Tilk will be fine, actually. <laughs> and then, like, Carter is like, uh, no, Daniel is like, what are you talking about? You just killed him. There's none of him left. How could he be fine? Um and Harlan says, yeah, he was malfunctioning. Uh, but then he's like, oh, wait. Uh, I just said he's going to be fine, and I have to explain it now. Um, and Harlan says, okay, I'll explain it later, but you need to go back to your quarters and recuperate now. Um, so that's what they do, I guess. Wait. Oh, no, instead of going back to their card, uh, card to their quarters, uh, <laughs> they, they, they follow Harlan basically to uh, his little lab, I guess uh, in a room we haven't seen before, they, there's just a door in the wall that, like, they try to pull the lever next to it and it doesn't open. But using the robot strength, they uh, Daniel and Carter managed to actually just pull the door up and go in there. And Harlan is like, "Oh wait, no, you're not supposed to be in here. Don't look at it." Uh, <laughs> and and then like, uh, if we see that there's like a, a big tank coffin thing where a very slimy teal is <laughs> laying down uh just uh, naked teal is in there and he's covered in some kind of slime that's to represent that he's like an under construction teal robot is in there but the effect is not very convincing it's, it's, just those, it's those little bits of pl- plastic you have hanging off the edge of anything when you 3d print it uh-huh, yeah, Except yeah, basically, or you know, silicone glue or something. I don't know. It or yet yeah, donut frosting, or come. Um, that's 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 all over him there. Uh, and yeah, yeah, they they go. Wait, you're you're building a new tilk. So I thought our bodies didn't exist anymore. That does that mean you have backups of our minds? You, you like there's that means there's some kind of way you can do something to put us back in right and harlan uh is running out of ways to lie to them about this but um oh yeah harlan explained explains at this point that when he made the first teal robot uh he didn't understand that he was a jaffa and uh the the computer basically uh saw teal's brain and the gold brain uh, and like kind of merged them together as the brain of the robot and that's why like he he like kind of shifted personalities and turned into an evil gold that wanted to kill O'Neill. Uh, <laughs> that's basically what happened there um but Harnan says no no i figured it out now this isn't going to happen again we managed to i guess delete the gold personality from the drive so it should just be normal teal uh, out of this robot body now um and then O'Neill walks in and says, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Carter and Daniel, I guess, ask him, so, wait, yeah, if, if, our ro- if our bodies are still alive and if you have backups on our, of our minds that you can use to make new bodies, like, please put us back in our brains. There's got to be a way to do that. He says, no, 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 I can't do that. I can't do that. Still doesn't explain why. And, and then O'Neill walks in and uh, just, like, tells Harden to shut down the machine and, and to stop the production of this teal. Um and then, like, he just, like, walks right up to Harlan and asks him straight to the point, uh, where are our bodies? Please, uh, if our bodies still exist, show them to us. And Harlan finally relents and says, yeah, uh, your bodies are still around. Uh, but I can't put you, put you back in them. And O'Neill's like, doesn't, like, let go. No, wait, uh, Carter is the one that says, well, why can't you transfer back us back into it? Like, you, the, the, the process must be reversible. And, like, Oni asks, why is it impossible? And then Harlan finally decides to show them. Uh, <laughs> so, 
uh, he brings them to a- another pod room that's that's a lot like the one that they were in before, but like all the real SU one is laying down on those pods now, and they have these patches on their mouths, but they're conscious. That's, I don't. Un- that's <laughs> yeah. Weird. Yeah, I don't, what do they think has been happening for like the last twelve or so hours? I don't. I don't know what's going on here exactly. It's like is. Are, is the pods are the pods paralyzing them but not knocking them unconscious and is are the patches on their mouths doing anything like i guess preventing them from speaking but uh, it's 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 just weird and um so yeah they they walk in there yeah and they so that that's finally when the robot sg ones realize that they're just copies and the real ones are still there and they're still intact and there's no they can't go back there because the real them are still in their own brains so that's why uh, it's once again you brought up Soma earlier that's that's basically how Soma works that's, yeah <laughs> that's the twist that the, with Soma yeah like at the end you 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 re- they show you the POV of the body that remained and not the one that got to evacuate yeah exactly oh, Soma's so good Soma is one of my favorite games of all time everyone uh, if, you, if you need a spooky game to play on in say October uh, even though by the time you listen to this it's gotta be November uh, Soma is a, like, it's a masterpiece it's one of the best <laughs> video game stories I've seen uh, um but yeah, uh, so yeah, the, the the whole point of it is the robots are robots, the humans are humans. There's no there's no transferring. Um, so yeah, uh, they decide to just wake up the real SG one now, but wake up in quotes because they're already awake. They're just not moving and have like patches on their mouths. Uh, so I guess like we see Harlan like kind of like spin a little wheel at the <laughs> end of the pods that turns them off and then remove the patch on their mouths and they start speaking. Um, and like the the weird thing is that like <clears throat> O'Neill like sits up the real O'Neill sits up and he so, says Harlan where you where have you been what have you been up to and it's like so you, he at some point talked to them yeah, and told right? them something was happening <laughs> right but hey y'all I'm just gonna leave you here on these beds <laughs> with this immobilized <laughs> with this patch over your mouth so you can't scream. <laughs> And don't uh, worry about it. Also, we're, uh, Harlan Ellison, we're cool. I guess. And like, I, he doesn't like. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you what I'm doing. Like, he's he made robot clones of them. They without telling them. So it's like they they develop they they developed enough of a relationship that O'Neill knows his name and that they're just chatting about it. It's weird. It's like it's like a weird like backstory that this episode didn't think to fill in. Uh, yeah, th- this is this is not how you would talk to somebody who shot. Who shot you in with some kind of <laughs> parrot, some kind yeah, of knock you <laughs> thing, and then strapped you to a table? Right. He, he should say something like, "Hey, what's going? Like, why? Why is there different us? And also, who are you? And why did you attack us? And why did you mobilize us on these tables?" But that's not what happens. It's it's just a weird dialogue choice for this scene. Um, well, and then like. Um, Basically, the rest of the episode is funny scenes where everyone is talking to themselves, uh, except Tilk, because like he asks why there's not a there isn't a second Tilk, and Harlan says, "Oh, there was a problem, and I kind of had to disintegrate you." And he just says, "I see," and that's the end of it. Um, and he like, looks so sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, you see, Sam kind of geeks out with Sam, and they start speaking techno babble at each other in stereo, and it's a little much. And you see that O'Neill uh, can't really handle it, and he just leaves the room. <laughs> or, 
Orphan Black has ruined this double, the split screen having two per- copies of the same actor for every other show. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's an old trick. It's been done. Uh, it's been done for like, for pretty much as long as we figured out editing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, there, there are old, like, black and white reels from the 1910s or whatever, where it's just a 15 second video showing off that effect. That, that's been a thing ever since then, basically. Um, uh yeah so uh like the real O'Neill just leaves the room because uh, he can't deal with uh the Daniels like speaking philosophy at each other and the Carters speaking science at each other uh so he just uh, walks out walks out of the room to where uh <laughs> the fake O'Neill is standing still staring at the goopy uh aborted but uh, I mean <laughs> Aborted in the sense that the process was. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, you're not the, the process was stopped of of, of his building uh, at the tilk that's in the pod, still gover- covered like, in goop. Is this really the best place to have your conversation right? with the awkward just, half person? Just staring at the like the the strategically obscured naked tilk that's laying down there. Uh, we have the real O'Neill just standing right in front of where uh, tilk's junk would be, uh, so that we don't see also, it. They- also, they both just keep kind of glancing at, at him <laughs> oh, yeah. through the conversation. But, uh, <laughs> I, I'm willing to bet Richard Dean Anderson on purpose was like, it's going to be really funny if I just try to stare at him <laughs> as much as possible during this scene. And, you know, Christopher Judge was laying down there and had to corpse, and Richard Dean Anderson probably was trying to make him laugh during this because that's what their, rela- their relationship yeah. was like shooting this episode. Uh but yeah, uh, so O'Neill, the, the two O'Neills start having a little conversation with each other, uh, where like the robot O'Neill is bitter that he has to stay a robot forever now, but the real O'Neill is like, yeah, well, I can't, I'm sorry, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of have to go back and you can't. And like the robot O'Neill is like, not not exactly magnanimous about it, but he's like, yeah, I know. He's just like pragmatic, I guess. He's, he's just, ah, he can't do anything about it. I don't like it, but <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, I can't really take your place or steal your life or anything anyway, even if I wanted to. So go ahead. Uh, and then like the real O'Neill is like, but uh, the problem is, you know, everything I know and you're on an alien planet and the ghoul might show up or something. And and like Robot O'Neill is like, okay, fine, we'll bury the Stargate. And then there's, there's a, like a kind of a weird exchange where the robot O'Neill says, don't even think of sending a bomb to make sure we buried it. And like a real one is like, I wasn't thinking about that. And the robot says, yes, you were. I know, I know you, which seems like a weird mischaracterization of O'Neill because he was always the one that was against the, the bomb plan, at least starting from midway through the movie where he decided not to do that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but there you go. Uh, it, it always seems to come back down to send a bomb through the Stargate. Uh, we'll see next episode. That plan is still hanging around somewhere in the thought clouds of everyone in the show. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, they, they just have this little conversation, basically, where they, they end up agreeing to do that, to bury the Stargate. And they're like, uh, I think Harlan calls them back, and they both say, for crying out loud at the same time. It's cute. Um uh then like i think yeah uh, there there's a there's a, a little scene where basically robot O'Neill has a one-on-one conversation with Harden where the point is basically that he forgives him more or less he says like yeah i get what you, why you did this you you couldn't like bear the thought of living alone forever and you needed some friends or whatever he kind he, he kind of like fills in the Harden's motivation uh 
And then like O'Neill says, you know, I don't think people are meant to live forever. That's the result of it. Uh, and then Harlan tries to, he's like, yeah, maybe not. But also he tries to sell him on it a little bit. He's like, yeah, but if you just live a couple hundred years, maybe you'll find that it's, it's pretty cool actually to be immortal. Uh, which just makes me think of, uh, that one Sandman episode slash issue of the comic where, uh, like Sandman makes a bet with, death i believe that uh that if they make a human immortal he he'll want to die before uh, even a few centuries are, are out and then the whole episode is just like sandman keeps coming back every century to chat with this guy who they've made immortal as part of their bet and like every time he's like super still super psyched to be immortal and he doesn't like think it's getting old at all and it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a funny like subversion of this um th this little exchange is just made me think of that um and um yeah so we're at uh, uh at the stargate where they just like have the two sg1s facing each other and chatting a little bit and repeating stuff uh information we, we already know uh and like when when o'neill is talking to himself and you see like there's a shot of him and the back of the head of another o'neill if you know what dan shea looks like who uh was O'Neill's stunt double and he plays Sergeant Siler on the show. Uh, it's very clear that it's, it is, uh, him right there playing the, the back of O'Neill's head in those shots where he, they're uh, both on screen. Uh, <laughs> I just noticed that there's a robot tilk as they're getting in the gate. Oh, the, oh yeah, they you're right. Him at some point. They, 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 they turn the machine back on and finish the printing, I guess. Um, which is good. I mean, it's, it's, it's just consistent with, uh, the, like, there's going to be a second episode where these robot doubles come back eventually, and, like, there's going to be a robot tilt in that one, so I guess it, it's just keeping in consistency with that one. Uh, uh, and, yeah, so they just have a little chat where they say goodbye, and it's, there's, like, not much of substance there. Um, I just, I'm trying, I'm just trying to see the shot where, because I read on the, on the Stargate wiki that there's a shot where, uh, you can see Teal kind of laughing in the background. Uh, just trying to spot it, watching the scenes, because he's there in the background of every shot of the robots. I'm sorry if this is a boring podcast again. Watching along, uh, slow shots, slow shots. Ah, I think I missed it. Anyway, uh, doesn't matter. <laughs> so that's the end of Tin Man. Uh, yeah, uh, I like this episode. It's 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 like maybe the most. I guess comedic episode of season one, even though like the comedy is, eh, it's take it or leave it. If you, if you think a a funny like uh, comic relief uh, eccentric guest character uh, is really funny, uh, I I thought he, I thought he was funny like when I was very young, but I can see how he might great if you're not uh, <laughs> if you're not into that type of uh, of of broad comedy, I guess. Um, so that's it. Uh, Tin Man is done. And, uh, next week, uh, we're going to be covering There But For the Grace of God, uh, which is, you know, uh, a, a monumentally, well, I mean, I, I want to over overstate it, but, uh, <laughs> a, a, an important episode as to the, the arc and, and canon of Stargate, I guess, uh, that, that, that gets that final uh, season one arc started uh, one of the most uh, well-liked season one episodes, probably. Um, it's going to be cool when we get there. 
uh, in the meantime, we have a couple questions that we got uh, last minute as I forgot to put the post until we were starting recording this podcast uh, on <laughs> the Jaffa Takes Twitter, which is at Jaffa Takes if you want to follow that and look out for uh, the post, the tweet I put up asking for questions and you can have asked some questions and have it answered uh, on the podcast uh, just like this. Uh, Aurora Vampirus, which is Casey Cosmos, uh, asked us, uh, what's your answer to the classic if you only eat one food for the rest of your life what would it be uh, yeah so does is this like a all right so are we talking about one food only does candy count as a food yeah i guess i mean you know about what I like mean? The, the broad category of candy or i th- i feel like it would have to be a specific candy cuz well, like no, I mean like the broad category, you know, because you have you have your regular meals. So like pizza is <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, not okay. akin to I, ice cream. I, I, you know I see what I mean? What, I, I see but what you're talking is, about. Like you could say something like ice cream and like get a fair amount of variety in the ice cream flavors. I, I see what you're saying, but I feel like candy is such a broad category. But even even then, like yeah, you'd get sick of candy pretty fast, I guess. Um I, I feel like know. pizza is a thing I might or like you know if I if I go broad I I, I would just say sandwiches and like cheat the system that Sa- way. Sandwiches sandwiches is a good answer because <laughs> yeah. that's just the biggest broadest category yeah. and you get to argue on the internet about whether a hot dog counts. Right. I want this Excuse me, sir. Can you give me this twelve-ounce porterhouse uh, <laughs> you sandwich? You can just put anything between two slices of bread, and like it fits your, your definition. It's good. Like I, I would like a bowl of soup between two slices of bread, please. Uh, <laughs> that's technically a sandwich. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I, so like, yeah, yeah. Sa- sandwiches. Like even if you don't like cheat the system that much, it's hard to think of a situation where I that wouldn't be. Uh, I wouldn't want to eat some variety of sandwich because uh, it's, you know, I, I eat a sandwich basically every lunch on weekdays and I never get sick of it. It's always good. So uh, that would be my answer. My, the other one is probably pizza. But even then, like I feel the second day of pizza in a row, you're already, you're already kind of sick of pizza. Even, even if you eat pizza pretty often, that seems like a lot of pizza to me. Um, that would be my answer. Do we, do we have any other candidates for this? <laughs> I, I would argue if we're if we're being that if we're gonna not get philosophical about the meaning of sandwich, I would argue a, bur- a burrito is nearly as versatile and yes. would be a good oh, yeah. Ra- wrap anything yeah, in a tortilla like the, and like the there burrito. you go. Um, yeah, I was wondering like what, <sighs> what's the because di- I keep wondering this whenever I buy like these like Mexican food kits. What's the like? I know what the difference between a fajita and a burrito is because it's this, it's a different filling. Like fajita is chicken usually with vegetables and a sauce, right? Uh, but like, what's the difference between uh, uh, no uh, a soft taco that you roll sauce. and a burrito? Well, uh, uh, burritos are supposed to have are supposed to have rice. Oh, okay, that's what it is. I never put rice. Whenever I buy these like burrito uh, sauce pouches, I just 
basically eat them like tacos. I just I don't put rice in there. Uh, I guess that makes me a goblin. I mean, that's, you know? that that is what that's what all El Paso sells, and yeah, for that. So you know. Oh my God, you guys I'm are sorry. killing me. You guys are killing <laughs> we're, me. We're 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 of the north. Uh, we 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 have we're, we have a lot of catching up to do. But like this, there's, there's no if if there's a decent burrito place. I think I feel like I've had one decent burrito in Montreal where I went to a place, and I don't think that restaurant exists anymore. So. Yeah, so so the burrito itself, like, yes, you can roll a soft mm-hmm. taco, but but it doesn't necessarily come no, that way. Yeah. A burrito comes, yeah, it comes rolled. rolled. Yeah, I guess. It's just when you're like, making them at home, since you have to do the rolling yourself anyway, it doesn't feel like there's much of a difference. Yeah, then it, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I mean, and you can, I mean, you and you can, you can fry right. it a little oh, bit yeah. if you want. Oh, yeah, sounds good. Uh, but, I mean, also, you're, I mean, you're just mm-hmm. talking about, after a certain point, Yes, there there is a. Uh, it's it it it's really all the same food, just prepared right. in slightly different right. ways. Yeah, it's it's a, uh, a very broad category of wraps of wrap sandwiches, I guess. Yeah, like a carne a carne asado <laughs> taco is gonna be virtually identical to a carne asada <laughs> burrito. Except okay. smaller. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess the size does matter. The burrito is t- typically pretty fat compared to. And then if you're going to a more legit place, you can just get the carne asada plate, and they just it's just the meat on a plate. <laughs> yeah. And then you scoop it into yeah, the tortilla like, like yourself. Yeah, like you get the the option of the pita and the plate. I get. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So there you go. We all we all learned a lot today, <laughs> or at least I guess the the Canadians <laughs> here learned a lot today, uh, or maybe just me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> um, Gunman uh, asks us: Does the Stargate need oil changes or lubricant? I bet it does. Well, I mean, I mean, no. There's Stargates on the alien planet desert for thousands right. of years, and the other one uh, sat in insane. Sat, and the one from last episode dirt. was in ice for thousands of <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, it still worked, right? So you would think like maybe Nakoda is like a, a naturally smooth metal that doesn't need any like yeah. lubricant to to for it to roll around properly. I bet I bet Siler goes in there with WD forty every once in a while and sprays it in there just because <laughs> he feels like it makes it run smoother or something. WD forty is a degreaser, not oh, a lubricant. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, <laughs> it's all, it's it's used it's used all uh-huh. the time as a it's a quick lubricant, but it is it is a okay. degreaser. Uh, that it's a it's a penetrative okay. oil. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. I I, I learned a lot as a as a white Canadian and also as someone who doesn't work uh, in an industrial or uh, manual job. <laughs> you got you got both a te- you got both a Texan and yeah, a laborer here. The, 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 the full package of education. Um, I suppose they I suppose they would need to like. Do stuff with the iris since they put that there. Oh yeah, because yeah, they they <laughs> did build the iris, so the iris for sure needs uh, maintenance and like greasing and whatever and uh, regular uh, checkups and uh, test runs and everything. They 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 probably had a whole uh, set of of uh, you know of run tests that they that they run on it regularly to keep it. Uh, as as soon as the camera yep. cuts away. 
There is a oh, yeah. maintenance crew hopping There's, on that thing. Yeah, we see them like as, when the, when episodes start and like it's just like business as usual in the Stargate before shit goes down. There's always like people futzing around near the Stargate and like people with clipboards and stuff. And it, you know, it's those people running those tests uh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's it for questions this week. Uh, I've already mentioned you can follow the Twitter and you can also send an email to jaffatakespodcast at gmail.com if you want, if you want your question read on this podcast. Uh, you can also join the Audio Entropy Discord server uh, link in the podcast description and we have a Jaffa Takes channel on there that you can go on and chat with us if you want. Uh, also, the weekend that this episode is released is Extra Life and uh, uh, we have some people from Audio Entropy that will be running streams over that weekend. Uh, you can go to the Twitch uh, Video Entropy channel, I believe, where you, you'll find these people are running streams and you can go in the chat there and say hi to them and uh you know make donations and do all the extra life stuff uh if you want uh or you can just go, come over and chill uh i will not personally be running a stream there but i know zach who, who you may have heard uh last episode is going to be running uh some middle of the night uh segment of the of that stream uh specifically the night where the hour falls back um so yeah Uh, be there if you want to chat with people uh, from the wider audio entropy uh, universe. Uh, <coughs> M, uh, do you want to plug something? Do you still have books you need to give away? <clears throat> yep, uh, you can follow me at M of Healy on Twitter. I'm still on tw Twitter despite developments because honestly, <laughs> I, there's... Right. Every, everywhere else is worse. Yeah. The, the thing is with these things is uh, you, you kind of have to follow migratory patterns. And like it's when all your friends leave that you have to leave with them. It's what happened basically from the forums that shall not be named over to Twitter. Uh, and, you know, it's going to yeah. happen from Twitter to whatever the next thing is eventually. I'm sure considering uh, that thing is going to go down the toilet uh, in the coming yeah. years. Uh, <laughs> not that it, yeah, you know. But, well, while, I'm still, while I'm still there, you can still DM me for books. Um, there's also a link to the audio, to the ebook version in my in my pinch tweet if you want to if you want to just get an ebook instead of getting mail the physical one. Nice, um, Kavika. Anything? Any other topics you want to educate people on before we go? Uh no no this this one was a pretty uh, machinery oh, yeah. heavy one but uh, just... uh I will say uh if you are in a in a some sort of factory or industrial uh mm -hmm. place and things are falling apart I would I would recommend not grabbing any old <laughs> pipe and seeing if you can yank it out because <laughs> uh, you don't know what it what's in there you don't know what it does. Good. Good instinct. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> don't don't be like Jack O'Neill. Sometimes don't even like don't even grab it. Don't, like a pipe, you don't know you don't know how hot or cold it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, or electric or whatever you know. So be careful around pipes, everyone. Um, don't don't touch that <laughs> pipe. That's your PSA from uh, from Jaffa Takes. Uh, But, but and where your where your PPE? I mean, he's a robot. He's a robot. He could put his arm back on. Right. You can't. Exactly. Yes. Don't you put you it can't. in your mouth. Except <laughs> other Canadian things. Um, <laughs> um, as for me, yeah, uh, my personal Twitter is the real Simben, and I've already said all the other things. Uh, and I'm gonna let you go and uh, see you with uh, the, the 
the next episode, everyone. So, uncomtraya, everyone. <laughs>